You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, that can only mean one thing. It's time for David's pick on America's Web Radio. And we like to start off with a uh, cadence call, and uh, that's exactly what we're doing. We all know that everybody that's gone through BASIC or AIT or anything else, active duty, whatever, knows about cadence calls. And today we're honored to have... Jim Davis, a Vietnam veteran, and with us, and uh, particularly honored after yesterday's vet, uh, veteran story with Pete Mecca. If you haven't, is it downloaded? Okay, if you haven't, if you didn't hear it yesterday, may I highly suggest that you go to our website, go to a veteran story, and listen to Pete's show yesterday. It was quite inspiring and as we do at America's Web Radio, we always salute our veterans. And at this time, because of my best friend, we started this about three months ago, um, was hit with Agent Orange. And uh, he's had, he's been battling cancer almost since he returned from Nam. But uh, he's doing well. Talk to him. And uh, he had uh, he had a tumor on his tongue removed and they didn't think he'd be able to talk again but uh he is talking and uh doing quite well so we started a thing back then that just uh, a moment of silence do do with it as you like uh but we wanted to take a moment of silence just to remember all of our past present and future military folks and particularly our veterans and uh jim's going to talk about one of his friends that uh, made the ultimate sacrifice but uh, i was corresponding with my son that's a major in the air force and uh, we were kidding about the fact uh, you know that it was a veterans day and that uh, it was father son and brother and uh I are the father, he are the son, but we're brothers because we both raised our hands and uh, there's a brotherhood in the military. So with that being said, if you'll bow your head or whatever you do and uh, just think about our great nation and the fact that we have such a wonderful Army, Navy, Coast Guard, Marines, Air Force, and uh, the veterans from all of the branches that have raised their hand to defend our freedom. Thank you. Jim, it's a pleasure to have you here, and uh, we, we have... Jim and I met because uh, he had a little golf tournament uh, recently for uh, Operation Santa Claus, and uh, we certainly want to. We'll be supporting that uh, as Christmas draws near. And uh, just, just give me a little quick uh, description of Operation Santa Claus. Certainly, David. Uh, 
Operation Santa was started uh, 14 years ago by a comrade of mine who was a uh, former ranger and just a great citizen and great patriot. And he wanted to give back to the veterans community. And the whole uh, theme behind Operation Santa is that we purchase targeted Christmas gifts for all of the children of all the Georgia servicemen and servicewomen who are deployed overseas during the holidays. And as I said, this was started 14 years ago by Christian Owen Stevens, uh, a good friend and comrade of mine in the VFW, who unfortunately died tragically February this year doing what he loved, which was skydiving. And so our mission right now is to carry on his vision and to expand Operation Santa to other states in this wonderful United States and to take care of the children of veterans in other states as well. I tell you what, uh, as you expand and as you contact other folks, um, you can tell them that we will be pushing whatever state it is that, that signs up and uh, you know whoever you enlist into the operation uh, will be glad to uh, if they have a fundraiser or if they do this or do that, if they'll let us know, we'll promote it and uh, we're we're listened to from coast to coast and around the world as a matter of fact. so uh, we'll be glad to do that for Operation Santa. That'd be great because you ran a promo for us, and uh, I'm sure that helped because we had 143 golfers, and Max is 144. That's fantastic. So, anyway, uh, uh, something has gotten me starting at the house this morning. Uh, I didn't get that rain that we were supposed to have, so it didn't <laughs> it didn't wash off something. But anyway. Uh, uh, you went in. I was uh, in AIT or in basic in AIT in '69. When did you go in, and where did you do your? I went in in '67. Uh, I was at the University of Virginia, and I guess I just got tired of school. And so, at the end of one of the semesters, I simply withdrew and moved back home. And my mom wondered, "What in the devil are you going to do?" And I said, "I'll get a job." But that decision was taken away from me because two days after I returned home, I got my draft notice. Ah. And, uh, you know, greetings from yes. your local citizens. And my dad at that time was active duty. He ended up spending 28 and a half years in. Wow. And he said to me, uh, he said, son, you're too smart to be a bullet launcher carrier. And my apologies to all the 11 Bravo light infantrymen out there. But he said, don't get drafted volunteer for some service and get some type of technical training that you can use in the future uh, and he also surprised me uh, i couldn't believe this coming from the man that i call the old sarge he <laughs> said he had already had one deployment to vietnam and he said it's not good over there if you'd like to go to canada you have my blessing and you could have knocked me over with a feather wow. i'm really but I ended up uh, enlisting in the Army, and because of my computer background at the University of Virginia, I ended up going into computers in the Army, and then I was able to leverage that into uh, a long career in the high-tech industry in the United States. And Fantastic. I served 15, minutes in, 15 uh, months in Vietnam. Uh, north or south? Uh, it was slightly south. We were at the base camp of the 25th Infantry Division at Kuchi, which is about 45 miles northwest of Saigon, uh, fairly close uh, to the border there with Cambodia. Uh, 
Ho Chi Minh City? Yeah, well, I still call it Saigon. I'm sorry, I'm a traditionalist. Yes, sir, I understand. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I'll i just stop it in this part of the show and, and mention that uh, we always do, basically, and uh, there is a reason for it, but... Uh, I have all the respect in the world and want to give a shout-out to every dust-off pilot that flew in Nam, And uh, they were amazing. And as a veteran, uh, I would imagine they're amazing today, no matter what they're doing. Uh, and we've only, I think we've only had one on, on the show. But if, you're, if you were a dust-off pilot... And would like to be interviewed or like to come into the studio, I would, you know, I'll roll out my one-and-a-half-inch square red carpet and uh, honor you as you come in the door. I uh, The dust-offs were just, as you well know, I'm, I'm sure you became acquainted with them. Uh, they, they, were, they did jobs that nobody else would do. And I also go one step further, and that is the... Uh, the folks that were conscientious objectors that uh, wound up going to Nam, and uh, I, quite frankly, in '60, well, before I, before I enlisted or before I joined the uh, guard, um, didn't have a whole lot of respect for the conscientious objectors. But now I would love to have one of them come in and. Uh, talk about the time in vietnam they did a a fantastic job of they didn't carry a weapon but that bag that had the big red cross on it they saved so many lives and uh, they like the dust off pilots are truly my heroes and i always try to mention them and uh, thank them for the job that they did and i want to publicly thank you for the job that you did jim and uh going to Nam and you know and uh, learning computers I didn't even know that the the army could spell computer when I was in David the computer I worked on uh, was fantastic it was air droppable rotating disc base wow uh, all of the circuit cards were covered in epoxy so it worked well in any environment including the jungles of Southeast Asia the primary use of the computer was in a fire direction center of an artillery company. Wow. And properly utilized those artillery units, they could put rounds on target first time without a marking round. And that was a major force multiplier for those uh, poor souls out there in the jungles under fire from the Viet Cong. So let me ask, and we've had some uh, recon pilots on, a number of recon pilots, as a matter of fact. That uh, So would the recon pilots radio back to the, your computer operator, and then the computer operator give the coordinates and all of that to the uh, artillery? Ba- basically, that's correct. Somebody out there has got to provide either a grid location of the actual target area or if they have an observation point they can give their grid location and then a azimuth or direction at a distance that comes into the tactical operations center or fire direction center depending on what they call it uh in each of the services and then they've got they've got to actually chart operators that 
plot that location and they make sure that there's no intervening hills or whatever. Meanwhile, at the computer, the computer operator is punching in those coordinates. And in some cases, if they have individual coordinates for the gun positions, they can actually target those rounds to hit at a single point or they can target them in a square or a linear sheaf. It's called a sheaf. And uh, I actually participated in a, in a mission uh, in Tainan, which was right on the uh, border there. It was called Rocket City. No one lived above ground because <laughs> the Viet Cong and NVA were right across the border, untouchable by us, according to Congress. And they, they would get rocketed every night. Uh, but I actually worked with a 155 uh, millimeter howitzer t- uh, team there, and the mission came in, and we had just recalibrated the computer and put in the new meteorological data. And uh, the first round was on target, and they put the next rounds in the tubes, and the next uh, salvo fire, was on target. Fire for effect. Fire for effect. One salvo, and that's all it took. Wow. Okay, with that, did you all, and the computer that you're talking about, did you all work with the Navy that was launching rockets as well, and uh, and the Air Force, uh, did any of that, Did was there any mixing of the, of the branches? Not while I was there personally. Uh, we actually did have programs for the computer uh, for naval gunfire, uh, including at one time a 16-inch uh, program for the big battleships. Wow. Uh, but, you know, being inland, well inland, we never uh, got a chance to do anything like that. I can't remember who it was, but they were, they were describing a, uh, a 16-inch round sounding and looking like a school bus going by. Overhead. I've, I've heard it described as a Volkswagen <laughs> moving through the air. Yeah. yeah. Not want to, did not want to be on the receiving end of that. No, no. But, uh, you know, it's, and, and there's another thing, two things that I want to bring up. And excuse me for hogging the conversation. It's not really meant to be. But uh, uh, one is that uh, we support. The Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and uh, Rick White does just an absolutely fantastic job, and um, that would be a heck of a race trying to find somebody nicer than Rick White. Uh, He is just quite an individual, Colonel Rick White, I might add, and I I have not met his son, but I understand his son is is in the military as well, and... um, his runs are very close second to being as nice as his father and uh, so i want to put a shout out to both rick and his son and uh, thank them for their service and rick has become a, a good friend and uh, i really appreciate it um the, so if you haven't been to the georgia military veterans hall of fame it's downtown in the floyd building directly across the street from the capitol and uh They've got a pretty good little restaurant in there, too, so you can make it a day tour and uh, eat lunch and uh, have a smile on your face when you come out. It's uh, it's a nice, and you'll learn something. In fact, you'll learn a lot, and uh, it's a great thing to do. Uh, so, and they, they're basically the sponsor for the show, and uh, we ap- appreciate their support and all the, all the things, many, many things that Rick does for us. Um, the other... 
other thing is uh, they have their induction service, uh, inductee service, normally uh, November the 7th, which is obviously come and gone. But uh, they had to put it off. It'll be, it, it will still be in Columbus, Georgia. They haven't named a date yet, but as soon as they do, we'll be announcing that. And, uh, uh, again... Our final word on it is that uh, we salute all of our veterans. Yesterday was great. Uh, there were a, there was a lot of celebrating and a lot of people showing their respect for veterans. And uh, I thought it it was a super day. David, I'll echo your comments about the uh, the Hall of Fame. In fact, I've been privileged and honored to attend three of those induction ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you. Rick told me that when I go to one that I had to bring my own box of Kleenex. Did you take your own box of Kleenex? Uh, yes. Uh, warriors do cry. Men, <laughs> Real men do cry. Uh, yes, it, it's, uh, it is a very moving experience. You're surrounded by real warriors, uh, the family of those that have made the ultimate sacrifice, and a lot of patriots. And uh, I look forward to going this year, if possible, assuming that there are some restrictions due to COVID. And I believe you wanted to mention a friend of yours. Indeed. Uh, When I was in grade school in Virginia Beach, Virginia, I had a friend we called Jeevers. James Clinton Ward was his name. Uh, He was the son of a Navy admiral. He was all-American kid. Athletic, boyish, charm, had dimples and grins. All the girls loved him. Eagle Scout. He was everything that a young man would want to be. Then I lost touch with him because uh, his father was uh, transferred. Uh, Saw him briefly during the Cuban Missile Crisis because his dad was down in Guantanamo and they brought all the families back. And then I lost touch with him again. Uh, and then the last word I got on him was when I was in Vietnam, my mother sent me a clipping that he had been killed in action in Vietnam. He had darned his hide. He had dropped out of, I believe, Washington and Lee University, joined the Marine Corps as an enlisted man, gone to Vietnam. He was a squad leader. He had already won the Bronze Star with Vita Vice, and his unit uh, was caught in a uh, NVA ambush, and one of his members was out in the in the killing zone, and he got hit, and so Jeevers runs out, picks him up, puts him on his shoulders, carries him back, and just as he's putting him down to safety, according to the citation, the NVA machine gunner saw him traversed over, and um, and just basically cut him in two. Uh, but he won the Silver Star. I mean, I'm sorry, the Navy Cross for that, deservedly so. So he is a true hero. Thank you for remembering him. And, uh, you know, we talked about, or you and I didn't, but uh, uh, Pete uh, Mecca that did uh, a veteran story and did a, what a wonderful job he did yesterday. Um, but we were talking about the fact uh, the number of, I think it's over a thousand uh, vets, World War Two vets die every day now, and uh, we only. I think it's down to 300-and-some-odd thousand that are left. But as we mentioned and talked about it, 
we're losing our Vietnam veterans in yes, we great numbers. And um, please, if you have a member of your family that's any kind of a veteran, it, it doesn't matter whether it was Vietnam, Korea, World War II, whatever, or the Persian Gulf, whatever, talk to them and find out their stories and remember them and remember their stories from one generation to the next. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, It's so important that you pass those stories on and that, um, just like Jim said, of his friend, uh, a real hero. And we have to remember our real heroes and not just today but for many years to come so with that being said i wanted to touch on your you're very active in the vfw correct that is correct and tell us about what you do in the vfw well let me go back and and say that from a historical point of view when i was 30 years old uh my father who ended up uh serving 28 and a half years active duty, mm-hmm. uh, World War II, Korea, and two tours in Vietnam. Wow. Purchased me a life membership in the Veterans of Foreign Wars. And I'll tell you, at that time, being a young 30-year-old, upwardly mobile person in the high-tech industry, I didn't pay much attention to that. Uh, although, with my work in the Boy Scouts and with my fraternity, I did record my time so they could get credit for the community service. And then about eight years ago, reading about the returnees from what I call the the sandbox over in Southwest Asia, I told my wife that I wanted to meet some of these young men and women. And so I searched for a post near me, which turned out to be Roswell, uh, and joined that post as an active member, uh, became an officer, I was the adjutant. And then eventually that post merged with what is now the North Fulton County Post, 12002, of which I am now the adjutant and the quartermaster. And for lay folks, that means secretary and treasurer. (laughs) But I've met so many wonderful people working with the VFW and also working on all of the various programs that the VFW engages in. Uh, A lot of people aren't aware of all the community service programs that we engage in every year. The the Voice of Democracy, which is a oral essay contest nationwide with a $30,000 college scholarship for the winner. And the Patriots Pen, which is for the 7th, 8th, and 9th, uh, or 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, written essay. Same thing, national uh, competition. We also recognize... Uh, first responders of the year, teachers of the year in three categories. So it's... Oh, is it's, there a radio category? No, I'm seasoned. You know, I met with the National Commander-in-Chief yesterday, and I will ask him. No. I, I've got his email address. I will pose that to him, David. No, I'm just teasing you. I'm, I'm full of it. That's that's okay. Uh, teasing is all right. But I've, I've met so many wonderful people uh, with the VFW and outside of the VFW uh, in, in doing our fundraiser. Uh, it's, it's replaced those things in my life that I had when I was active with the Boy Scouts and then when I was very active with my college fraternity in, in leadership training. 
and now I get to give back to my community and to my country. So it's been a wonderful experience, and I'm looking forward to hopefully another 10 years or so of it. You know, one question that I think I, I may have mentioned this to you that I always ask, and it's the one hardball question that I'll ask, and uh, I, I hope you look like you're prepared for it. And look like you're. You'd, you'll, we'll see. You'll you'll be able to catch it and, and work with it. But I always ask my guest and veterans. Can you name one person, one veteran that you know of, that can tell one story? Yes. And stop it. Stop after one story. Oh, that's a difficult one. Because the person I'm thinking of has a great story. It's not a combat story, but it's a very interesting story. But he probably won't stop after that. So you're <laughs> right. It Once you get started, especially when we're talking amongst ourselves, it's hard to stop. You, you put six veterans at a table, and when it gets to the, the one-ups point, then all of the stories start coming out. But I've never met a veteran or sat at a table with a group of veterans that one veteran had only one story to tell. They all have multiple stories, and most of them, as time goes on, get they just get better and better. And, uh, you know, this, this is something that I wish every family, every young kid, every everybody could listen to and that's the veterans just like uh, pete mecca has the show called a veteran's story and i i also mentioned too and and please back me up on this uh, today's military is absolutely fantastic it, just like yourself and uh i don't want to say this loudly but it goes back a few years ago, but just like yourself, you went in and computers and and then made a career out of it. Right. And uh, the military today offers so much to the to the uh, high school graduate or college graduate, and it can be man or woman, whatever. But please, if you're a grandparent listening or a parent listening to the show, and your your son or daughter is not at home. When they start to graduate, uh, graduate if they don't have a decision on what they want to do, please, please have them look at the military. And it doesn't matter which branch. They all have fantastic opportunities. Obviously, the Navy and the Coast Guard, if, if they're into boating and water and so forth, yeah, it couldn't be better. Flying, obviously, the U.S. Air Force you can't beat. And they've got uh, – my son's not a pilot, but he is uh, a major now in the Air Force. And uh, uh, things that happen, uh, we feel like he probably had his finger. He's in intel. And uh, he loves it, absolutely loves it. He's He and his wife have – travel the world on your tax dollar and by the way they they told me to give it thank you and pay a little bit more in the future but anyway no it, it's been absolutely extraordinary and um so that's that's my spill david you're right uh the military experience is unlike anything in the world and and i have to say that that in the past especially during my 
time working with my uh, national college fraternity, I recommended to several young men, especially during the times when there weren't a whole lot of jobs available and the economy was down, that they consider uh, a career or at least a short career in the military because they had a college degree. In this case, it was from Georgia Tech, and so they had you know, a technical degree. They give out degrees there? Oh, know. yes, but only to the best of students, David. Oh. Okay. Well, I went to the other tech, Texas Tech, so... Uh. Well, that's a good school, too. All right. <laughs> yeah, you have my admiration on that. And quite a few of them went in. Uh, in fact, one of the young men that I actually helped to get into the United States Marine Corps recently got promoted to the rank of lieutenant colonel, and I was pleased to go to his uh, graduation ceremony, uh, or I'm sorry, his promotional ceremony, and that was uh, that was a special experience for me, uh, having That's been uh, part and parcel of getting him in there. But uh, quite a few young men have taken my advice, and and they didn't stay in and make it a career, but they got a lot of leadership experience. A lot of cases, they went in some technical aspects of the military, and the military today is not simple. It is full of technology. Uh, They've got operational research people there, your intel people. Just being an infantryman now requires mathematical skills, technical knowledge, all the equipment they've got. It's it's not simple anymore, and it takes a special breed of person to go in and do that. And you'll meet lifelong friends. You'll make lifelong friends, I should say, uh, that, you know, the, the what the Marines used to have, be the best you can be or whatever is an ad, I believe. And But I put that across the board now. All branches are the best. We are the best in the world. We can respond faster, do more good than any other military in the world right we and you know the rest of the story but we have our stuff together uh, the military has its stuff together and you know um i well you were a lot smarter than me and and uh as you were going through basic and stuff and i even have flashbacks now of you know, when when we were going through basic and AIT, what in the world are we doing this for? You know, <laughs> did you ever why this doesn't make any? Yeah. And I have flashbacks now. And I, you know, I'll be doing something and it dawns on now I know why they did it. You know, it, I finally, you know, fifty years later, figured it out. And uh, the military is just, I can't say enough about them. They have so much experience. They know how to uh, turn a boy into a man. I guess they turn girls into women. Um, But they, I can't say enough about the military. David, some of my best memories of my relatively short military service were of basic training. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this was in 1970. And I like to tell people that I went through basic training with the salt of the earth. Uh, Most of the people in my platoon of 40 people uh, were draftees. Uh, There were two of us that had enlisted. There were a couple of National Guard soldiers, uh, and there were a couple of reserve. But everybody else was a draftee. They were all 11 Bravo, small arms infantrymen. 
their next stop was the infantry AIT and then to Vietnam. And I've just got some great memories of, uh, on our time off on a Sunday, of hearing Bobby Joe Gentry uh, singing about the Tallahatchie Bridge, <laughs> uh, of at night watching the line queue up for the two telephone booths that had to serve 200 uh, soldiers and watching them call home. Uh, and I'm some meeting some lifelong uh, friends who, unfortunately, I'm not in contact with. But one piece of good news is I have, from my basic training, the roster of my platoon at Fort Benning, Georgia. We were C-31, Charging Charlie was our company in Sand Hill, and none of those names are on the Vietnam Memorial Wall. And I find that amazing. Oh, yeah. Maybe we had a really, really special drill instructor. Maybe we all learned those basic infantrymen skills to the level that it was able to keep them alive in Vietnam. At least I hope so. You know, what you just said is very, very interesting, and I can appreciate it. I went into basic... Went in the Guard in 69, went to my basic training in 70 at Fort Ord, California. Now, (laughs) we were 180 degrees. My whole platoon had graduated from college, uh, and most of our company had graduated from college. And my drill sergeant was was, uh, Sergeant Polino, and... uh, you know, the one thing the military, again, you can back me up on this, is you do it, you do it, and you do it until you get it right. Right. Now, with our platoon and, and with our company, you know, they that was what had been drilled into the drill sergeant's head. You do it once, and then you do it ten more times. But we did it once, and that's all we had to do it. And they they couldn't figure out what wait wait a second that's not the way you, you got to do it over and over again to get it right how 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 did you all get it right the first time and uh, you know it, it was it it messed up their heads and uh, I uh, and he's still a good friend I I met a friend that in uh, reception I'm sure you remember reception oh yes. And uh, it was raining at Fort Ord, which it did a lot of. And this guy said, it was standing up. I was sitting down on the curb, or not on the curb, but on the step. And uh, I heard this guy say, well, I just graduated from Texas Tech. And that was like hearing my mother's voice or something, right. you know. <laughs> and uh, Dan Kreider, we've been best friends since January of 1970. And... Uh, we talk at least once a week, if not more, about what's going on and our politically and this and that and whatever. But you make those kind of friends. And the other thing is there are very few places that, you, that a veteran walks into that he can't spot another veteran. I don't know if it's the smell, the look, or what it is, but you can always identify another veteran they stand out like sore thumbs or something i guess but yes. uh if you're in a situation at airport or wherever and you see someone wearing a, a cap that served on this ship or that ship or whatever or any any sign that he's a veteran 
buy them a meal, buy them a whatever, and say thank you. Same way with first responders. Um, it you'll think that you're making them happy, but it'll make you feel better than it makes them feel. Exactly. I, w- I had an advantage when I went to basic training in that, again, my dad was a was a career NCO. And so when I was interviewed by my drill instructor, he wanted to find a platoon guide who would be the, uh, the trainee responsible for the platoon and then four squad leaders. And so he had me stand at attention, and he had me do lots of push-ups. And then he said, where did you learn to stand at attention like that? And I said, from my father, drill sergeant. And he said, oh, yeah? Who's your father? I said, he's Master Sergeant Calvin K. Davis, drill sergeant. I said, drill sergeant, I've been standing foot in wall locker inspection since I was four years old. (laughs) And he just looked at me, and he said, you're my platoon guide. So thanks to Dad for preparing me for that. And when we had our first inspection by the commanding officer, as platoon guide, I had my own room. And I always hung my dad's picture in his full-dress uniform on the inside door of my wall locker so they could be seen. And the commanding officer walked in. He glanced around. He said, platoon guide, who's that picture? I said, that's my father, sir. He said, "Uh, he's still in? I said, yes, sir. Uh, he's got uh, 20 years in at this point, sir. And he just looked at me and he said, very good room, platoon guide, and never inspected it. So uh, that's and another anecdote I have. I'll have to have a shout out. I hope he's still alive uh, to Sherby J. Williams, one of the finest young men I've ever known. I met him in, in, in the induction ceremony there where he had to fill out all these papers. Sherby had a little problem keeping up with the instructor up front who was telling us where to put everything in all these blocks on these large pieces of paper. And so Sherby became my friend. Later on in bayonet training, Sherby was having a problem with what the drill instructor said said to us. Because he said that if your bayonet gets stuck in Charlie, the name for Victor Charlie, the Viet Cong, that you're going to fire one round, and then you're going to withdraw sharply to the rear. Any questions? Sherby raised his hands. He was always asking questions. The drill instructor said, what is it, Williams? And he said, Sergeant, Sergeant, uh, he never could get the difference between enlisted and officers, and they had stopped trying. He said, you said if our bayonet gets stuck, we're going to fire one round and then withdraw sharply. He said, that's right, Williams. And, and you're going to yell. What's the problem? Well, Sherby asked that question two or three times, and finally he said, Sergeant, it seems to me that if I got one more round of fire, there ain't going to be no bayonet fighting. And I have a shadow box with an M14 bayonet and a stripper clip of ammunition and a plaque that says, if I got one more round, there ain't going to be no bayonet fighting. Sherby J. Williams, Fort Benning, Georgia, <laughs> September 1970. That's neat. Uh, oh, yeah, bayonet training. And uh, you always run up, stick it in the, in the dummy, and yell. 
it's easy in training. I thank the Lord I never had to put it in practice. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would not. Uh, we had a. I was telling a, a friend of mine yesterday, and and it's like I said, uh, can a can a vet tell one story? And uh, this was we had a a uh, football player in our platoon from Michigan, and he was a big boy. I, I mean, real big boy, and. Uh, I don't know. Well, everybody, I guess, back then, uh, you'd you'd have a day that uh, they'd say, "Well, we're going to the clinic, and you're going to get your travel shots." Right. And uh, we we would march over, and and I will give them credit; they didn't. We never had to uh, double time back. <laughs> we, it was a sl- slow march or a slow walk back to the to our barracks but anyway i'd never seen them before and never even really heard of them but the air shots yes and uh you know we went in to get our shots and have no idea we carried a little book and they filled it out but had no idea what we were getting at far a yellow fever or who knows but anyway so we go in and the corpsman says now gentlemen this isn't going to hurt near as much as a needle does and and uh but it will penetrate and he shoots it and it goes flying across the room the the right stuff and um there's this loud and it's our michigan football player (laughs) 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 that has totally wiped out passed out after he saw the corpsman shoot uh the air shot across the room and uh he was a good sport about it and and you know he always got kidded about it but then uh uh you know you do some things in basic that uh you know we did the old uh, warm water in the in the helmet and um if you don't know what the results of that is, ask somebody. And uh, as he was uh, finding out about that, we'd also put uh, shaving cream in his hand. And, right. You know, <laughs> so, but you do stuff like that, and, and you make lifelong friends uh, in basic and AIT. And then uh, if you go in country, uh, the one thing you learn is that you count on somebody having your back, and you have your buddy's back. That's right, right. And talking about shots, I remember they they told us with those injector uh, injectors they had, don't move. Yeah. And there would be a little bit of vacuum to draw your skin in. But one of the guys twitched with his uh, shoulder, and he ended up with about an inch and a half laceration wow. in there. That was so significant that they had to send him to the dispensary and get it stitched up. Wow. But I learned to relax and don't move. Because there were times when they were putting two shots in each arm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it was... Uh, the military has it down, and it is interesting. And uh, you go through it, and, uh, you know, you and I, I went to Fort Ord, you went to Benning. Uh, they jumped out of planes in Benning. You didn't do that, did you? I've actually jumped out of one plane. Huh. One time. Uh, on a tandem jump with a young man from Fort Benning, an airborne trooper there who was getting some extra money doing tandem jumps. Uh, very frightening, but then very exhilarating. And under canopy, it is so peaceful 
as you're just drifting down through the air. And if I could just go from ground to canopy, I'd do it in a New York minute. <laughs> but that falling through the air, uh, that's a little much for me, I must admit. Uh, I had, even when I was flying, I had no thought of wanting to jump out of the plane. As long as that prop was going, I was going with it. And uh, But, you know, back to, back to our military service, your military service in Nam. Uh, did you say you've been back or... I have not. Okay. Well, uh, I have a, a lot of friends that have and, and have marveled at Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City now, and um, you know the and and the Vietnamese, from what I understand, are very grateful and and uh, always respect Americans and uh, uh, do their best to be be friends of the americans and they appreciate the aid that we've given them after depending on how you look at it losing or winning the war and uh, there was a lot of in my opinion since i didn't go i can't address it but there was a lot of inhumane activity in nam that i don't think our military was really Expecting or, or necess- I don't want to say trained for, but uh, just things that you couldn't believe one human would do to another. You're exactly right, and that's uh, and that certainly is the, the the bad side of the military experience. Is you see man's inhumanity to man, uh, and I saw some desecration of bodies uh, almost as soon as I got there. Hmm. That. Uh, it really impacted me, but I've shunted it back to the back of my memory so it doesn't bother me. Uh, but on the other hand, since we were at the 25th Infantry Division Base Camp, we had indigenous workers helping us uh, do things during the day. And we had uh, young women and older women there who came in and, and did our washing and swept out our hooch. So I had a mama-san who was the greatest thing in the world. She was like a mother to me. If I forgot to lock up my footlocker and wall locker and went to sleep at night, she would come in in the morning and she would shake her finger at me and she would say, Sergeant number 10,000. <laughs> and she would make me get up and lock everything up because she wanted to protect me. So for Christmas in my uh, second calendar year there, I went to the PX and I bought some packets of Tide soap, and then I had one of the nurses uh, from the 25th Evacuation Hospital across the street from our company area go into the women's section of the PX and buy her some cologne and and eau de toilette and some uh, Jergens hand lotion and some face lotion, and I gave it to her for Christmas. And, oh, my gosh, the tears that came out of that woman's eyes. The gratitude she felt. You know, and, and I, I think you already know me well enough that I'm not exactly a tree hugger, but at the same token, we all live on the same planet. And yes, we do. You know, it's... And we all, as family, have... 
one thing in mind, and that's our family and taking care of them and giving them better than what we had. And uh, I know what it is to lose a family. And, you know, it's uh, the story's just like you told about the mom's son. Uh, we're humans, and we have to remember that. Indeed we do. Indeed yeah. we do. So we're getting down i want to uh, before we get out of here i want to talk about operation santa and uh, a little bit more and how people can give to it uh how people can uh you know what what can what can we do as civilians donate money uh help us out because we're thinking this year that we may not have as many uh troops from georgia deployed uh, and that would be a good thing. But we've also had some years where we ran a deficit budget. So if you would uh, like to help, you can go to operationsanta.org. That's our website, and it'll give you contact information. Uh, you can also go to our VFW Post website, which is vfw12002.org. And we've got contact information on there. Uh, we'll take $10, $25. We have donations from all sorts of people from all walks of life. Uh, my neighbor from Britain, who has dual citizenship, uh, sent, sent us a check for $200 this year because she knows it's going to a very, very good cause. And we have gotten emails and telephone calls from the stay-behind spouses of some of the deployed troops who say just how wonderful it was to receive that nice present that they wanted to get for their child or their children but could not afford to. So so do you actually give the present or do you give the family money? What we do is we send out a an Excel spreadsheet to either the unit chaplain or to the coordinator or leader of the family readiness group of each of these units. And on that spreadsheet, they put the sex of the child, the age of the child, and the name of the sponsor or family member or guardian that's taking care of the child, and then what that child would like. They either describe a general gift or nowadays they can go to Amazon, they can find the actual item, copy the URL and paste it into the spreadsheet. We get that spreadsheet back and then we go online with Amazon. We used to uh, shop at Toys R Us, but obviously that's not an option anymore. So now we go on Amazon and we purchase all those gifts. We record the order number the estimated delivery date, and then we send that updated spreadsheet back to the FRG, the Family Readiness Group, and we have the items delivered there. They receive them, they will package them, they will wrap them up, and they will put the sponsor's name on there. The child never knows we were involved. As far as they're concerned, that gift came from their dad or mom who happens to be overseas. That's beautiful absolutely beautiful and you know one other thing that uh, i wanted to uh mention we had do you know mark betty by chance i do not david uh do you know who i'm talking about or 
No, sir, okay. I don't. Okay, well, he's a uh, Lutheran uh, minister, but he's, he was also a chaplain. And um, I experienced uh, a situation while I was my hometown was hit by a tornado, and uh, my CO wouldn't let me go, but... I went to the chaplain, and I was on a plane within two hours. <laughs> the uh, chaplain in the military has lots of powers in many ways. And, uh, you know, I just want to give a shout-out to all of the men and women that have served in the military as chaplains and uh, salute them and, and uh, their they have a very hard job to do, and uh, and they do it very very well. And uh, Mark uh, has become a friend, and uh, we look forward to having him back on uh, America's Web Radio, talking about uh, his service and what he's doing now. So we're going to be uh, in the very near future. We'll be supporting uh, Operation Santa Claus and. Uh, doing more and more to promote it and getting people to uh, support it and uh, you know send their donations and we'll tell you where and uh, you know we have to take care of our veterans and we also always give a, a salute shout out whatever you want to call it to those that are left behind and it's not always the women that are left behind there are a lot of women that are in the military today and the husbands are left with uh changing diapers and doing the laundry and um you know what in a family and i i was single so i i can't address it in reality but anyone that's in the military it's the whole family. It's not just the one person. It's That's the man right. and the wife, or the man, the wife, and the two kids, or whatever it happens to be. And they give, and I know when my son's deployed, you know, his wife takes care of the business at home. And... Uh, that's the way it works, and and for what you all are doing is just absolutely fantastic. And if you're in happen to, and we've had some strange things happen uh, since Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and that was ARs and NGs called up to active duty. That's right. And uh, not that they were never ever called, but certainly not in the numbers that have been called and if you have if you know of a neighbor or in the future if if uh, again our government calls on ARs and NGs to, to serve be the good neighbor and change the light bulb or fix the door or whatever that whoever the spouse is that's left behind offer to help them or heaven forbid if you're a good cook take them a meal every now and then mm-hmm. and uh you know they're all doing their part for you and for me and uh, we have to remember them all the time jim you want to wrap up with something you mentioned chaplains and let me tell you that our guest of honor at our uh golf tournament fundraiser uh was jeff strucker strucker and Strucker was a sergeant with the 75th Rangers. He was in Mogadishu, and he took part in that terrible operation there uh, that caused so many casualties. Uh, 
as a consequence of that, he had a life-changing event during uh, a rescue attempt when he was leading a three-Humvee convoy there. And he left the military as an enlisted man, ended up getting his divinity degree, uh, ordained, became and entered back in as a chaplain in the 75th Ranger Regiment. So his opening remarks at our Freedom Fighters Open, which is our golf tournament, had to do with the families that stay behind. Because as a young chaplain in the 75th Rangers, his first two duties were to fly back to the United States hand-carrying the letters that the unit's commanding officer had written to the families of those rangers that didn't make it back. And he, he dwelled on the fact, as you just said, that uh, those that stay behind also serve, and it's tough on them. It's good to know that we have family readiness groups now because we did not have those when my dad was active duty and, and I was a Army brat. Uh, so it's a very, very good thing, and we are very proud to work with them to, uh, to do a little something for all their children. You know, Army brat, I doubt, but uh, Army family, that I understand. Uh, my dad was in the Navy and uh, was in the Pacific, and uh, I... <laughs> You know, I was born uh, about nine months after he came back from the Navy, and uh, but you know the World War Two was such a different war from Vietnam, and uh, uh, you know the our Hollywood and so forth made war look somewhat romantic at times yeah. and all this, which. There ain't nothing nice about war. No, there isn't. And uh, nobody should ever think that. And, uh, you know, getting a letter from somebody that's uh, on active duty and it's taking two months, three months to get a letter back and forth, uh, whereas today we have the computers and the Instagrams and the Skype and everything else, which is fantastic. But uh, still... It doesn't get any better when you lose somebody. With that being said, we're going to have to put the plug-in jug and uh, get out of here. Jim Davis, thank you so much for coming in. It's thank been you, David. It's been a pleasure having you here. And uh, we look forward to uh, next week and uh, another veteran. And, uh, Jim, you're always welcome to come back anytime. I'd love thank to. Thank you, David. Great. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.